Welcome to Atheist's Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We appreciate you tuning in or streaming this morning. Today is Sunday, May 6th, 2018. I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan, and my guest today is Leanne Lord. During this live show, we welcome your phone calls to 952-946-6205, emails to radio at minnesotaatheists.org, or questions on Twitter directed to Atheist's Talk. You can still reach us by email or social media if you're listening to the show later. The debate about the appropriate bounds of humor broke out again last weekend with Michelle Wolf's performance at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. But it's been heated and ongoing for years, if not decades. Who should be the target of jokes? What's off limits, if anything? If we put limits on comedy, will it die a pitiful little death or get stronger? My guest today is Leanne Lord. She's a stand-up comedian, one of the co-hosts of the Star Talk podcast, and writer of several books, including most recently, Real Women Do It Standing Up. She was one of the faces of the African Americans for Humanism billboard campaign and has performed at several atheist conferences. She joins me today to talk about being funny without being a jerk. Good morning, Leanne. Welcome to Atheist Talk. Good morning. That's so, a tall order. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't promise we'll get to all the answers, but it should at least be, I think, a less frustrating discussion than a lot of the ones that, say, happen on social media. So at least I'm hoping oh, so. Oh, wow. If that's the bar, then completely less uh, controversial than that. Perfect. Um, All right. Before we get started talking about comedy in general, what attracted you to stand-up comedy? Uh, oh, my goodness. I a, a couple of things. One, I am very fortunate. I come from what I believe is a very funny family. Uh, my parents were hilarious. They were amazing storytellers. So, you know, I grew up with, you know, humor and sarcasm and, and, and all of that sort of baked in. Um, but then it also, you know, very deliberately became a defense mechanism you know, like a lot of comics say, you know, I was, I was smart, I was good in school, I was bullied, and I'm like, how do I head this off? And I thought humor would be a way to do it. And so, yes, the teasing diminished <laughs> significantly, you know, after, after sixth grade. But then, um, so that, that innate sense of humor from the family and then doing it deliberately in junior high just sort of led to you know, theater and performing and loving being on stage and being the funny one for my friends. And, you know, I'd be flipping channels. And if there was a brick wall and a microphone, that's what I was doing for the rest of the evening was watching comedy. So I just always had this through line of it running through my life and was crazy enough to say, hey, let's try it myself for real and fell in love, completely head over heels in love with doing it. So the first time I saw you perform was at a donor's dinner at a conference. Um, oh. I, I could not afford, actually, to go to the donor's dinner on my own. I was a guest of one of the, the donors. And it was, it was kind of a surreal experience um, because there you were standing on stage being hilarious and the room was completely divided. There were the, <laughs> the younger staff – um, of the organization, mostly female, uh, a few of them, a few people in the room who were were people of color, um, me who grew up on very subversive comedy, and we were all laughing our heads off. And the rest of the room was um, older white people with a bunch of money who looked very, very, very uncomfortable. 
<laughs> because you were talking about being female and you were talking about being black. And it was one of those things that I, I said then, and this was several years ago, so I don't know why I'm only getting around to it now, that I needed to interview you about comedy. And so when I think of that and I think of how you, you just delighted some people who were expecting absolutely nothing like that at a, a swanky little dinner and mm-hmm. and made a bunch of the guests uncomfortable at the same time, um, when you're creating comedy, are there any particular bounds or restrictions that you put on your your work? Um, actually, yes, there are. I, I was having a conversation about this the other night, um, that I won't joke about something that I'm still too angry about. Because if it, I can't get past the anger to make it funny, then that's a topic I won't touch on stage because then I'm not doing my job. My job is, you know, to, to entertain and make people laugh. Um, now clearly I can't control all of that. Um, people come to a comedy show with their own baggage and their own issues. You know, some people really come, you know, minds and hearts and arms crossed, you know, like make me laugh or this, I don't like this, um, which is perplexing to me. So sometimes I think maybe the first stop should be therapy, then comedy (laughs) to make one, you know, perhaps more, or open and ready for a pleasurable experience and you know to realize sometimes it's it's a joke um now there's a there's a lot of truth wrapped in humor um which that is i think what makes people uncomfortable if it's not their experience but it's the softest way to have that experience so why not embrace it you know, like this is this is not what I'm used to. But you're sitting at a table with other people. You're safe. You have a drink in your hands. <laughs> Go with it. Um, but yeah, no. To but to answer your questions very very specifically, yeah. If I'm too angry or upset about an issue, um, and I haven't gotten past that anger to find the funny, then I won't bring that on stage yet. And do you feel putting restrictions on your work hampers your ability to be funny in any way? No. No, 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 especially not that restriction. I think that's fair. Um, again, because there's still an inherent responsibility uh, to entertain. And so th- I don't even consider that a restriction. That's just a, you know, how my how I like to work my craft and, and how I do it. Um, I also try to be mindful of who's in the audience and what material that I have that I think will relate to them. Sometimes I'm wrong. <laughs> You know, less and less now, you know, as I as I get older and I've been doing this a very, very long time. Um, But again, there are circumstances that are beyond my control and I'm always trying to bring my best. Um, And because I think intention plays a very big part of of what an artist brings to the stage um, and, and how people interpret that. So when you do see a comedian who says, you know, if you tell me. Uh, one of the the perpetual ones is if you tell me I can't make rape jokes, then I can't be funny. Then you're killing comedy. What's what's your response when you hear that? Okay, I'm going to respond as a human being. The minute someone tells a grown up or even a kid not to do something, that's now the first thing we want to do. <laughs> it, it it really is. 
Uh, I remember performing at a college. I, I won't name them. And I, I get to the campus and they say, it's like five minutes before the show, which is usually when this happens. Uh, they said, okay, listen, don't do any jokes about religion or date rape. And I am immediately intrigued. I'm like, okay, what happened? <laughs> uh, there's a story here because those are, those are very specific things. What went down? And it, it's not even that I was planning on doing anything on that, but it's like now I want to. Um, I think that is a natural, you know, human response to do the thing you were just told not to do. The fact that it, re if you think it restricts your art, maybe your art is too small, you know, because you should have uh, topics that can reach a particular audience. Um, and I, when I say that, I'm talking about artists who are performing for money, you know, who are going into different venues and they're being paid. You know, I did cruise ships and, you know, some of the shows I would do for cruise ships were family shows. That meant, you know, no cursing, no, no innuendos, no things like that. And, you know, that was part of the gig. Now I also got to do uh, a late R-rated show, which you know, anything goes. But if you couldn't abide by being able to do both, do your family show, that literally little kids to grandmothers would attend. Um, and then, you know, your regular show, quote unquote, then you don't take the gig. You know, if you, if you feel that that's really restricting you in some sort of way, then stay home. Don't accept uh, don't accept their money. Don't accept the job. Um, there are plenty of venues that don't care that will say, yeah, let it rip, whatever you want. And, and if that's really where you prefer to ply your trade, then that opportunity is there for you. But then understand when you are being paid, sometimes people are going to have a request. And if you can't honor it, um, then don't do it. So do you think that... Um because you're talking about venues that will accept uh, or that, that will accept anything. Do you think mm -hmm. that restricts the audience in its own way? What do you mean restricts the audience? In terms of who is, is that a self-selecting audience for that kind of thing? Um, because I, we hear people oh, I, talk I, I about it as so. though that's just a general audience with no features, no dis nothing that distinguishes it. Right. Well, I do. In some ways, I do think it's self-selecting, you know, um, particularly if you know the comic. You know, this is, again, comedy is very subjective. You know, not that one comic is necessarily always funnier than another, but you have comics whose style you prefer, you know. And it, it's very interesting to me. Uh, I did a show um, uh, two nights ago for an animal rescue organization, and I headlined the show. And, you know, I get off stage and everybody's really happy and they go, oh, my gosh, you were so clean which is hilarious to me because I wasn't, <laughs> you know, I, I cursed and not the entire set, but very specifically, I think language is a tool and to say, Oh, you can't use this word or this word, um, isn't very adult or mature. Sometimes very specific words have a very specific meaning and they fit. And if that's the best word choice, use that. And because that's what I do, I'm very careful in my word selection um, it's like audience will hear it, it will have the impact, and then they will immediately forget it. Excellent. All right, we do need to go to commercial. So please stay with us through the break, and we will return to Atheist's Talk with our guest, Leanne Lord. I'm Stephanie Zavan, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Atheist's Talk, and I'm your host, Stephanie Zvan. For everyone listening live, immediately following this program, you can hear American Atheist Viewpoint, an official production from American Atheists. If you're listening later, you can still catch American Atheist Viewpoint by subscribing to the podcast version. After today's show, come join us at Cucumbers for the Atheist's Talk Community Brunch, or find us at today's Heart of the Beast May Day Parade and Festival in Minneapolis. This is a live show, and we welcome questions at 952-946-6205 or emailed to radio at minnesotaatheists.org. Find us on Twitter or Facebook under Atheist's Talk. Today's guest is Leanne Lord. Welcome back, Leanne. Thank you. So I... I don't want to make the whole show about this, but I do want to talk a little bit about the White House Correspondents' Dinner and <laughs> the reaction to Michelle Wolf's set there. Um, yeah. Because when I saw that, when I saw her set, when I saw the kinds of jokes that she was telling, I was mostly reminded of Stephen Colbert's set just a few years ago, mm-hmm. which got a completely different reaction. And and I'm 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 having trouble thinking of it in any terms except it is okay for Stephen Colbert to say to a black president things that it is not okay for a woman like Michelle Wolf to say to Donald Trump. <sighs> Do you yeah. have any uh, uh, am I missing anything here? No, you know, no, you're probably not. Um, there's a lot. Uh, there, there's so many ways to to look at this. I watched uh, her set. You know that. You know that night, I, I went to bed and then was stunned that um, there was any sort of backlash at all. I thought she did uh, a great job, uh, given the audience she was performing for. Uh, it's it's that's a tough room. Uh, and, and of course, not all the jokes landed, to be fair. Uh, but I thought she, it was tight, it was funny, it, she kept it moving, she hit everybody. Um, and I think what people were forgetting is that this is a roast. Uh, this is what she was supposed to do. I will personally say I don't like roasts. I don't go. Uh, I am a delicate flower. <laughs> my feelings are easily hurt, which is why I, I guess in my comedy, I, I try not to hurt, you know, specific people. You know, I will talk about issues and themes, um, but to be out and out cruel um, to someone, it, that's just not my thing. And I try not to do it on stage because I think it makes people uncomfortable in the audience. But there's another branch of comedy where that is exactly what happens. You know, from Don Rickles all, you know, down through comedy history. And the roast is a very specific thing. And I think she was even handed and fair. Um, and to have any sort of critique about what she did in light of having a president who is a, uh, a name-calling bully, uh, I, which I, I don't think is an out-of-pocket thing to say. It, it, that is what it is. Um, is just very eyebrow-raising, like, do you hear yourself? <laughs> like, are, 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 you, are you in the room? Do you hear the words coming out of your mouth? Do you know that there's maybe a little bit of hypocrisy here? Um, so, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I would take the gig. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
I'd, I'd really have to sit with myself and go, hey, can I do this? And I, I think I could. Um, so, I, again, I think she did a good job in the people that are crying foul or crying wolf. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> and I do think the standards are different, you know, very much so. You know, the things that a man can say and let's say a white man can say and get away with is like, did a woman say that? Like, hold on here. Um, and it, it, that that thing is cropping up more and more um, in our culture. And it's very disturbing. Um, but maybe not even cropping up, just being more, becoming more obvious because it's always been there, you know, and it's just now more evident, um, the hypocrisy and the double standard of who can say what to whom and when. So to touch on the obvious, you're black. Uh, does that, what? Do you, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Yes. yes. I knew that was coming. So that is the deal. Um, Do you find that that, and it may not affect you particularly because of the kind of work that you do, but do you find that that um, that you get reactions that are are more restrictive in terms of what? And, you know, usually when we talk about what people are allowed to do, we're not actually saying people are saying you can or can't do that. We're talking about the kind of reaction that you get and whether you're viewed positively or negatively. Um, Do you find that that restricts what you're allowed to do in your comedy? I I think what happens is people think that they have the right to do that (laughs) and they don't. You know, so I I have, there's an ever-present awareness for me that never goes away of uh, my culture and my gender and how that's perceived. But that's also something that I can use to my advantage because they're expecting me to say this and I'm going to do this. You know, it's part of my journey as a human being and as an artist is being comfortable in my own skin and not caring. Uh, and when I say, you know, not caring, I don't mean burn it all down. I mean, but being cool and confident enough to be who I am, no matter where I am, you know, and, and it doesn't matter someone else's, you know, prejudices or expectations, you know, they don't get to define me, you know, they'll have judgments in their head, but that's their business. It's not mine. You know, and having the courage to be myself. And you... When you talk about why you do comedy, you talk a lot about um, audience reaction and, and making people happy and letting people laugh when they need to laugh. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you feel that there is um, a, a social obligation um, for comedians, um, or even not necessarily for comedians, but just because comedians are human beings, um, to address some of these issues to, um, as we talk about the press, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted? Or does that not really touch on it, comedy for you? Um, again, it depends on the comic. It depends because everyone does their, applies their, their, their trade and their art a little bit differently. There are some that cannot wait to pick up arms and leap into the fray and talk about the things that no one else will talk about. And I think that's, you know, the fun part of the job, you know, there's, you know, the branches of government and then the fourth estate of the press. And I think maybe even the fifth, which, you know, are comics who will, 
will be the ones that will go, wait a minute, that's weird. <laughs> and, you know, the best of us can do it in a way that makes everybody laugh, makes everybody see the absurdity of it, regardless of, let's say, political party or ideology, you know, and really tries to get to the underlying humanity of it, you know, which is really great comedy. You know, George Carlin was able to do that. You know, he was one of my my heroes. I loved watching him take something that was so sacred. You can't talk about this and make people absolutely fall out laughing and then take that deep breath and go, let's think about it. All right. We do need to go to commercial again. Please stay with us through the break and we will return to Atheist's Talk with our guest Leanne Lord. This is Stephanie Zavan and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to Atheist's Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm your host, Stephanie Zavan. Atheist's Talk is an unusual show. Very few places in the U.S. can someone randomly turn on commercial radio and hear a bunch of atheists talking about topics that interest them. Much of the work to keep us on the air is done by a dedicated group of volunteers, but we need your help, too. Today, we'd like to thank in particular Janice for her recent donation and the attendees of the Flying Spaghetti Monster Fifth Sunday Dinner. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation to our radio fund, please visit minnesotaatheists.org or search for Atheists Talk on Patreon and sign up for exclusive content. Atheist's Talk is produced with funding from Minnesota Atheists and Cucumbers Restaurant. If you'd like to advertise on this program, please contact us at radio at minnesotaatheists.org. Our music is composed by member Brent Michael Davids and used with permission. Opinions expressed on the show are those of the speakers. You can find Minnesota Atheists' public policy positions at minnesotaatheists.org. While you're on the site, check out our previous shows, browse our articles to see what we're up to, check out our meetup calendar, or sign up for our weekly email to find out about upcoming events and connect with other atheists. And consider becoming a member of Minnesota Atheists if you're not already. Support our work and help steer our future direction. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call us at 952-946-6205, email to radio at minnesotaatheists.org, or find Atheists Talk on Twitter. Leanne Lord is talking with us this morning about being funny without being a jerk. And I would like to get back to talking about George Carlin, which we were doing when we went to commercial. But first, we have a call. This is Alan. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, so I heard you talking about the correspondence dinner. What do you think was either right or wrong about that? Um, it's hard for me to point out what's wrong. And I I think part of the problem is, is I'm a comic and I see the world a little differently. And so maybe I was listening with a different ear. Um, so I don't, I don't see much that she did wrong there, except step on people's toes and make them uncomfortable, which is sometimes what comedy does. Um, what was right was that she, she stuck to her guns. If she did a line that didn't work, that didn't sort of resonate with the room or get a big laugh, she moved on to the next thing. She didn't linger, uh, which is deadly, so, you know, to let that, let that, you know, sit there. So was it wrong for people to criticize her? No, not at all. 
again, that's the risk you take. That's, that's free speech. You know, you do have the right to get up and say what you want to say. And then other people get up and get to comment on that. That's kind of the deal that we have here. So I would not say that, that, you know, that she was, should be immune from criticism. I take issue with some of the criticism. I think some of it's unfair. Um, especially coming, you know, from a direction where, you know, that folks are very mean and critical. So, now, um, yeah, I wouldn't, now, I wouldn't say thanks, that part debate at all. So as an- all right. So um, <clears throat> you were talking about George Carlin and really appreciating George Carlin as a, um, as a, somebody who dove into politics and questioned um, oh, yeah. The unquestionable there. And I I really appreciate that perspective because a lot of the time when people talk about George Carlin, um, they don't seem to get past uh, the fact that he was breaking taboos as though he were doing it um, willy-nilly. You know, here's taboo. Oh, got to break it. Um, and, <laughs> and what you're <laughs> uh, – and what you're suggesting is a much more – um, thoughtful approach that I think he gets credit for, which is why uh, yeah, he's well, so maybe, Right. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe that I'm, I'm layering my own view of it on top of it. You know, I, I do know that he was incredibly prolific, um, and, and was a, was a writer, uh, at, at heart. And so, you know, I imagine that he did this, you know, very thoughtfully and deliberately, you know, comedy on that level, you know, it might look like you just, oh, you, you just thought that up. No, no, you worked on that. <laughs> that. That took effort and writing and planning and practice and, you know, doing it and watching the jokes crash and burn and then, you know, figuring out, okay, how do I fix this? How do I say this? You know, what's the right amount of energy or passion? Uh, what's the right joke to go before it or, or after it? I mean, there really is a lot of um, work that, that goes into um, uh, a, a comedy set and then particularly one where you are poking the bear <laughs> because immediately, you know, it's very possible to walk in and, and divide the room, you know, 50% of the people are going to love you, you know, 50 are going to hate you. Uh, and then how do you do that? I mean, some of my favorite shows have been people that have come up to me at the end and went, I didn't agree with you, but you were funny. <laughs> That is the best compliment ever, because if we can get there, if we can get to know we don't agree with each other, but let's keep talking, you know, let's keep laughing. I I think that is the path we're supposed to be going as human beings. We are going backwards. (laughs) We're going, I don't agree with you and I don't agree with you and war. And it's like, wow, I thought we were supposed to be better. Who forgot to go to human class <laughs> and work on this? Um, so I think, you know, comedy has that dual thing that it can do. It can, it, can, it can poke the bear. It can take on those taboos. It can make people uncomfortable. But it can also make people happy. And it can sort of, that, that laughter can be that cleansing breath that, okay, we're laughing. It's still serious. Okay, let's talk. <laughs> Let's be grown up. And I think George was amazing at that. So you mentioned um, the amount of work that goes into it. And Whoa. when I think about the fact that that we are having these these ongoing fights and, and sometimes flat out battles war, as you say, particularly yes. on things like social media. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think 
that's affected by the fact that that there's a tendency for everybody who thinks they can get a laugh to think that what they're doing is the same as what you're doing? Yes. Everybody thinks they're funny. And well, they are. Okay. Yes, yes. And it, it, unless you're a sociopath, everyone has a sense of humor. You know, it is, it's, it's in us, it's in our DNA, you know. The first thing a baby does that people are amazed at is when a baby can smile. Or, or laugh. So, and you want to be able to evoke that in other people. Um, it, it's one of our social skills. Uh, there's a difference between that and doing it professionally. You know, getting on stage and making a room of strangers, a room full of strangers, laugh, you know, or, or broader audience. And that's when uh, more care is taken. Um, not that you're scripting every single, you know, semicolon, but there's a, there's a higher responsibility there. Um, because not everybody's going to share, uh, your opinion or they're not going to share the background information for the joke you're about to tell. So the setup, you know, very technically the setup has got to be the least amount of information so that everybody knows what you're talking about. And then the punchline is you're proving your point with something funny that leads people in a direction that they didn't expect to go. Uh, so yeah, it is work. You know, I used to I used to teach stand up, and the first question is, how do I make money? I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> We're not I even don't there think yet. You walk into law school <laughs> first day and go, how do I make money? Like, you, there's actually a craft here to be learned and honed and practiced, and you fall on your face a lot, and you do jokes that you go, wow, I shouldn't have done that. You know, but there's supposed to be room in the art and room in the creativity to make that mistake and figure out how to do it better with hopefully, hopefully hurting the least amount of people possible. <laughs> but, but the China's going to get broken. <laughs> All right. And we do have another caller, uh, Mike from Phoenix. Go ahead. Hey, Stephanie and Leanne. Um, really enjoying the show. It's just an example of how. The, the the programming reflects the interest of atheists rather than being always about atheism. And I think you're a very entertaining comic, Leanne. And I live in Thank Phoenix you. now. I used to live here in the Twin Cities. But I was wondering, do you tour? Uh, do you ever get down to Phoenix? I'd like to come and see you sometime. Uh, I do tour. I have not been to Phoenix. I would love to. Um, I, I should find out what your local um, comedy club is there, although I actually perform more for, you know, organizations that have events and they, they bring me in. Um, but either way uh, would work. But I have not so far, but I would love to. Well, I'll, I'll watch for you. Hopefully you'll get down there. And thanks Please. for being on the show. So thank you for listening and being so kind. So you were talking um, about hurting the fewest people possible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously, that is a whole thing in itself. But we have right. um, a, a couple more minutes of this part of the show left, and then we'll record a, a Patreon extra. Um, are, are there more things you'd like to say about how you go about doing that? Yeah, well, well, first let me say, comedy is a rough sport. It's, it's, a, it's a contact sport. Someone's feelings are going to be hurt. And the more important or close an issue is to you, the more likely your feelings are going to be hurt by it. Because there is always a target in comedy. So I don't want to say that no one gets hurt. Some, someone's going to be offended. Um, but there is a way to tackle that topic. I talk a lot about 
um, my, you know, my family, I say I have two kids now. I have a 77 and an 84 year old, you know, and I, I talk about what that's like. And I've had both professionals in the caregiving industry, you know, like, you know, home care, as well as people who are, they're the parents, <laughs> you know, come to me and say, wow, you talk about that. You make people laugh with such compassion and you're not mean. Um, and that's intentional. Because, you know, if you're lucky or whatever that combination of things is, you might be the 85-year-old who now can't drive anymore. And how do we handle that? You know, one of my favorite stories I like to tell is my is taking my dad to a doctor's appointment. And he was feeling kind of down on himself. And he turned to me and he said, "I'm baby, I'm really sorry. I'm not the man I used to be. And I turned to him and I said, well, neither am I. And then he said, with all the wonder of a five-year-old, you used to be a man. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, no, but we have a lot more options now. And so, you know, again, you're taking something that, you know, is is a very sensitive issue, you know, getting older, being sick, being vulnerable, and then someone being in the position of having to look out for you. And how do we, how do we come together and do that and, and then talk about it and, um, and compassionately make it funny. And I, that's, I guess, kind of what I do now. And I'm not saying that there's some folks that won't be offended that I refer to my parents as my kids, <laughs> you know, but I could say a lot worse things. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the early end. Uh, as I said, thank we will you. record a Patreon extra. Um, but for folks who are looking for more information on you, you can go to veryfunnylady.com or catch up with you on Twitter or Facebook, where they can find you under your name. Um, I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in to Atheist's Talk today and listening with us as we talk about comedy. And we're occasionally funny. Okay, Leanne's a lot funnier than I am. Um, (laughs) But this is Stephanie Zavan, your host. Please join us again next Sunday for Atheist's Talk. I am proud to be on the air with Minnesota Atheists, and I hope that you appreciate the show. The show depends on the generous support of our members, our sponsors, and our donors. Please consider supporting the show through the donation link at minnesotaatheists.org. This is Atheist's Talk on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Have a great Sunday. Thank you.